Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. George, you've heard about this virus? Shall I cough on you, George? Uh, that was a good one. Yeah, that's from a classic film. Definitely. I actually know where that comes from. Oh, yeah? Wow, yeah, I can't I, believe you've seen that one. I haven't. I just know where it comes from. Oh, all right. Well, we're going to launch directly into a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Patrick, who says, Dear Tech Stuff, I really think an appropriate topic for discussion would be the infamous Stuxnet that has been all over the news these past few months. Thank you, and I hope to hear from more from you guys. Well, Patrick, we thought we'd tackle Stuxnet, too. We've talked about it a couple of times in, in other podcasts, just kind of mentioning it offhand. And, of course, we've done podcasts about viruses and worms before. But the Stuxnet is, it's, is a particularly interesting form of uh, malware. Yes, yes. It is, in fact, a worm. Um, and uh, one of the reasons it's so interesting is because it is extremely complex. Yes. It, is, it seems to be targeted at a specific 
purpose, and if if not a specific purpose, a specific location. Yes. And uh, no one officially knows where it came from. Right. Somebody knows. But it's it does also seem to be a state sponsored. Uh, um, virus, or at least some department in some country appears to be uh, responsible for it, based upon the various investigations that have gone on since the discovery of Stuxnet. Yeah, now it's important to note that uh, we have to be careful when we talk about that, because we don't know for sure, and uh, as we have mentioned many times before, uh, probably most notably in our uh, hacking of Google in China uh, mm-hmm. discussions that we've had before. Um, it is possible to make an attack look like it came from someone it didn't. Yes. Uh, and that, that will come up later in our discussion, too. But, um, you know, it, it appears that way. But there's really no way for uh, to tell for sure. And, and, and we've had some uh, very dedicated uh, computer security experts looking into this. Yes. So uh, some seriously talented people have been evaluating the, the Stuxnet worm and have been unable to determine that for sure. Right. So do you want to uh, – should we start – I guess we this really all started back in 2009 as far as we know. Yes, yes. So let's, let's give a brief overview of what Stuxnet is and what it's meant to do. Okay. So Stuxnet is a worm. Uh, it yes. is a Windows-based worm. Yes. So it's, this isn't – this is not a, a – you know, it doesn't target Linux. It doesn't target Mac OS. It targets machines running various forms of the Windows operating system. That's right. And as far as we are able to determine it by the time of this recording, it originally spread uh, through USB uh, sticks or USB drives. Yes, it is not. Uh, it is not propagated primarily over the internet. Right, and the reason for that is because the p- intended target of Stuxnet that tends to be disconnected from the internet. So mm-hmm. you can't target it from the internet. That that specific target is, well, Stuxnet is able to attack factory systems. Yes. It actually targets uh, a, a series of vulnerabilities in the Windows operating system, which I understand have been patched at this time. Right. But, uh, at the time the Stuxnet virus was written, uh, or the original one was written, um, it was aimed at several vulnerabilities and used those vulnerabilities to get at industrial control systems for gas pipelines and power plants. Right. And so it's aimed at very specific hardware connected to Windows networks. And in fact, the ultimate target for this turned out to be some uh, centrifuges in Iranian uh, uh nuclear facilities. Mm-hmm. So these were centrifuges that were designed to to process uranium. Mm-hmm. And the idea here apparently was to uh, infect systems so that an outside controller could gain access to the systems and overload them in such a way as to cause possibly irreparable damage mm-hmm. to the facilities. Now, as it turns out, that does not seem to have happened. It doesn't look like the damage was, uh, was as... Uh, devastating as it could have been. And there's some interesting explanations for why that is, one of which is that some security experts have said Stuxnet is kind of like a double-layer worm. Yes. The core of which is incredibly complex, one of the most sophisticated worms possible, but the outer layer of which is less complex, mm-hmm. and that uh, because of the the reduced complexity, this is the layer that is that's specifically designed to help hide Stuxnet, 
uh, from prying eyes and, and discovery. Because it was less sophisticated, it was not as difficult to discover, although it took an entire year before anyone saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not so hard to discover that it is impossible to weed it out. Mm-hmm. So if the outer layer had been as sophisticated as the inner layer, it may even be that we still would not know what Stuxnet is. Right. So infecting, you know, the idea here is that you, you send in some sort of infected USB uh, media, whether that's a, a, a USB stick or a an external drive or some other device that could contain the Stuxnet code in it, connect it to a computer that's within this network that's not connected to the Internet necessarily. Or maybe there's like a couple of machines on the periphery that are connected to the Internet, but the main machines aren't. You infect the machine within that network, then the worm spreads within inside that network until it hits those critical systems that inv- that are uh, connected to the the factory environment. Right now, um, I uh, I read an interview with uh, security expert Ralph Langner, mm-hmm. uh, who spoke with Eleanor Mills of CNET, um, and Langner said a good way to get this virus in place would be to infect. A, one of the contractors who worked with these power systems. Right. Um, so a contractor, in this case, a trusted business partner. Uh, hey, can you come in and fix this machine? So if you can infect uh, somebody else and have you know their machines or a USB drive and have them take the virus in on foot with a USB stick yeah. and put it on a computer inside the power plant, um, then this person who already had clearance is, you know, you don't have to worry about getting it into the impregnable. Yeah, you don't have to do <laughs> a mission impossible right. type thing to get in there and plant this stuff. You yeah. can use a, a lower point of security for that. Right. And the reason he thinks that, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, please. please. Uh, the reason he, he thinks that, uh, based on on uh, my readings of, of his theory, um, there were other uh, countries that were infected too, including Indonesia, India, and Pakistan, mm-hmm. who all used uh, this one same contractor, a Russian contractor, who worked on the the Bushehr uh, nuclear power plant in Iran. So the same contractor worked at all of those places, and Stuxnet surfaced in all of those locations. Right. So I think based on that, you've got you've got he's, he's thinking. Zero. Yeah, I mean, he's that. That's a logical yeah, idea. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think based on on that information, he said, "Well, you know what? I bet that's how they did it." And the the goal here is that at least one of those machines within that network has to have some sort of connection to the internet. If it doesn't, then you cannot control from outside the uh, network. You cannot control what's going on inside the factory. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the in general, the, the the factory systems themselves are not connected to the internet. There's a gap there. It's air gap is right. what it's often called. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as you can get control of the uh, the network that is in turn connected to the factory systems, you might you have the op- opportunity to uh, infect them. And what's interesting is the original version of Stuxnet required uh, used auto run to yes. initiate itself. Mm-hmm. But you can turn auto run off on your machine. That's correct. So if you are in, let's say you work for a facility where security is a major concern, you may have a policy that auto run must be disabled. 
So that way, nothing, no malware that uses Autorun would automatically uh, upload itself to your system. Mm-hmm. Well, the the next generation of Stuxnet, which, by the way, but the first two generations of Stuxnet were deployed before we ever knew that they existed. Uh, that, well, anyone not connected to the 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 the, the scheme yes. had no idea they existed. We didn't know they existed until was it July of two thousand ten. Um, or 2009. 2009 is when it first showed up, but right. they think it could have been out in the wild and looking for targets as, or, or I shouldn't say that because we were just saying that it doesn't spread over the internet. It, it was available and ready to go as, uh, possibly even a year earlier, but they yeah. don't know for sure. Right. Well, essentially a full year had passed since it had been first deployed and when it was first uh, discovered. That's true. Yeah, they first spotted it in, in the summer of 2009. Well, the, the later generations used uh, a vulnerability in LNK, which allows the uh, the exploit to essentially install itself. The Basically what happens is you plug your USB uh, stick that happens to be um, infected with the Stuxnet virus into your computer and then you decide to use uh, Explorer to look at what is on that, that memory stick. Just mm-hmm. by using Explorer to open up the memory stick, you have uh, – that. that's all it takes for Stuxnet to then uh, infect that computer. Mm-hmm. Now, your basic computer, like you guys out there who are using your computers, Stuxnet would not – do anything to your machine. You wouldn't get any. You know, you're not have, you're not being spied on. You're not being uh, your your computer's not going to start acting weird. The whole purpose of Stuxnet is to affect these factory systems, not individual users' computers. Yes, and in fact, it's looking specifically for a Siemens Simatic WinCC Step Seven. Yeah. Uh, software and most package. of us don't have that. No, I don't. I, I don't have it on my Windows installation. No, it's not even in Minecraft. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, if you don't have that, then it's not going to target you. But if you are running a very large system, like a, a a water facility, power facility, nuclear power facility, which, of course, that was the the main target, mm-hmm. um, then you'd have to be concerned about this. And the, the, the other part of this that was really interesting is that, like Chris said, it targeted several vulnerabilities, not mm-hmm. just one. Right. Your typical virus or worm, especially if it's developed by someone who just, you know, knows enough to get into trouble but not like enough to make a really sophisticated tool, those tend to target a single vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But Stuxnet was much more sophisticated and it used a series of vulnerabilities to spread itself. The uh one of the other things that that the reasons why it was able to uh, install itself without checking for a certificate mm-hmm. is cuz it stole certificates. Yes, and that's that's another interesting uh, point too, because originally it had used an, used a, a an official certificate. Yes, uh, that had been stolen, and uh, they revoked that certificate, and it surfaced very shortly thereafter with another an official stolen, st- certificate. A, yes, yeah. exactly. So it appears to be completely legit. And the two certificates came from two companies that exist within a few miles of each other in Taiwan. Interesting. Yeah, interesting, huh? So that suggests that someone, you know, maybe another contractor, was specifically stealing electronic certificates from other uh, from companies in order to mask this stuff. And that's the thing is that if you're if you've told your computer to, or your if your network administrator has told all the computers to to trust uh, uh, software that comes from a particular uh, source and it bears that certificate. 
then there's no reason for the computer to say, hey, I see you're trying to upload Stuxnet. Are you sure you want to continue? <laughs> Thanks, Clippy. Yeah. Um, I see you're trying to bring down the system from within. Do you need help with that? <laughs> and don't, when I'm trying to think of something to say, don't. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, and that's that's funny that you mentioned the, the Taiwanese connection. Because um, when Stuxnet is in operation, it is it actually makes tries to make contact with two control servers in Malaysia and Denmark, and it does use a peer to peer scheme to compare versions of itself and update to the most recent version. So it is it is checking. You know, uh, it may not necessarily have an internet connection, but if it's uh, if it can find other versions of itself on the intranet where it is located, it will try um, the the versions will try to update themselves to the most current version to take advantage of any vulnerabilities that might be available to it. Um, and this is, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, I, I also read another article uh, with uh, security expert Bruce Schneier, mm -hmm. uh, who, who uh, some of you might've heard of actually, he's a pretty outspoken guy. Um, you know, information suggests that, uh, uh, you know, it, it uh, may have infected as many as 100,000 or even more mm -hmm. computers worldwide. Uh, but about 60% of that was in Iran. Yes. Um, Which suggests that Iran was, in fact, the target. Mm -hmm. And specifically, Ralph Langner uh, had found, and, and his partners at his firm, had found data structures in the Natanz facility mm -hmm. uh, in Iran that, that matched, that specifically matched the Stuxnet code. So it is possible that uh, it was aimed at that particular facility, and you know, in, in particular, yeah, that was totally redundant. I'm sorry and repetitive. But let yes. me reiterate: there right. was a, um, uh, yeah, there were several articles. The the Telegraph um, and New York Times have published articles that suggest uh, that uh, you know that 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 facility in particular was the target. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is that uh, it would it was an effort to disrupt. Iran's nuclear program mm -hmm. and that, like I said, it, the idea was that you would uh, make the centrifuges that are um, processing the uranium in the these facilities to spin too fast and to essentially break them. Mm -hmm. um, and what's really fascinating to me is that Stuxnet didn't just what wasn't just designed to go there and just immediately ramp everything up. Mm -hmm. It actually would analyze the operations of the facility for several days for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, to determine what would be the most disruptive course of action. Right. So in other words, if the centrifuges are turning in a certain number of, of uh, uh, revolutions per second, how many more does it need for it to be the perfect amount to be disastrous mm -hmm. without immediately setting off all the alarms? Right. The second was that the reason it was... Uh, uh, observing for several days was to create a kind of partitioned system so that when people are looking at their monitors and are trying to upload code to fix the problem, that it all is um, it's uh, it's all segregated from those factory systems. So if you're looking at the screen, if you're an engineer looking at your screen, trying to fix the problem, what you see looks like the problem's fixed, mm -hmm. that the code you've uploaded has gone in and that's been incorporated and that's taken care of the problem. But in reality, those centrifuges are still spinning like crazy. Right. And that was the really clever thing. It's the idea of like you, you pull this mask 
down or the, the you know you you shield what's really happening and all the the monitoring systems don't show that anything's going wrong at all that that's pretty devious mm-hmm. and uh, that was another reason why security experts call this a very sophisticated attack because it wasn't just that it was able to infect systems you know efficiently it was able to mask that infection somewhat and there's also it also involved a root kit so if you've listened to our root kit podcast there was a rootkit element to this as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty neat idea. The, and, and a lot of the, the, uh, attribution for this, as we said, we still don't know for sure who did it. No. Right. Uh, but you'll, if you, if you do research on it and you start looking around at articles that were published, uh, this year, you'll see that the, there's a, some common elements popping up. That at least one Western power was involved in this, mm-hmm. and that Israel was involved in it. Yes, yeah, so a lot of a lot of fingers uh, initially pointed to the United States government, right? Um, and which is uh, still a possibility. Which is, you know, yeah, as is the British government. Um, Bruce Schneier, it's so hard to say. Bruce Schneier said that he thinks that around eight to ten people spent about six months, maybe a little longer, on uh, creating this. Um, and, uh, you know, they they think that Israel is, is mentioned. I read one article uh, from Schneier that suggested it had, it had a number of references in it. Yeah. Um, there are bits of code that have dates in them that appear to be. Yes. Dates, important dates in. Uh, Iranian-Israeli relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in an incredibly negative way. We're talking like dates of assassinations. Yes. And things of that and nature. And things like that. Um, some people have said that they just happened to be the code that you needed to get that done. Right. The particular function in the software done, and it just so happened to end up like that. Which is possible. Which is completely possible. Yeah. If you've ever seen any of those theories, any numerology theory, mm-hmm. where they say, oh, this number is significant because blah, blah, blah. Uh, a, a lot of that ends up being confirmation bias, which is a, that's a logical fallacy. That's when you look at something and you count all the hits and you ignore all the misses. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that this is another case of that. So we have to keep that in mind, too. Yeah, I don't suggest ignoring the misses because she's going to get really angry with you. Well, she's going to be gone for a week, so just, I can't really pay attention to her anyway. Um <laughs> Joking aside, though, um, I have a quote from Schneier who said, uh, quote, whoever wrote Stuxnet was willing to spend a lot of money to ensure that whatever job it was intended to do would be done, end quote. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a professional job. It's it's not something that script kiddies, uh, which are, you know, hackers who, who do this for the fun of hacking and not for a monetary purpose or for bringing down governments or uh, – you know, the high level hacking people are doing it for fun. Um, you know, th- this is not a casual hacking project. This no. is something serious. The, the, the amount of code was something like 1.5, uh, megabytes, which is actually huge for a worm. Yeah. It, you it know, really is. cause worms and viruses tend to be very tiny bits of code. Just like, just like you can imagine a virus, you know, a, a virus that can affect an organism is very tiny. Well, typically your viruses that affect computers tend to be tiny too. Mm-hmm. They might be a tiny part of a larger program and yeah. the larger program's design but the larger program is just an infection method. Mm-hmm. It's not actually part of the virus or worm necessarily. Yeah. Another article I saw that may point to uh, Israel as as being a potential source for this attack and again we don't know for sure 
was in the New York Times. It published on January 15th, and it's called Israeli Test on Worm Called Crucial in Iran Nuclear Delay. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, article, it the the writers state that um, Israel has this uh, uh, nuclear facility in Dimona mm-hmm. that um, one of those facilities is designed to be essentially a copy of the main target in Iran. Oh, right, right. I remember that article. And the idea here is that just because you create something that can infect a factory system doesn't mean that you can you know, really wreak havoc because you need to know how the machines within that, that facility work. Mm-hmm. So in this case, we're talking about the centrifuges. So they had uh, a facility using the same centrifuge technology that I- the Iranian facility was using so that, in theory, they could test the Stuxnet uh, uh, worm out to make sure that it would be effective and that they could indeed control these centrifuges from you know, a remote location. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, these are, again, these are all allegations and, and uh, theories. So, Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's the article by uh, William J. Broad, John Markoff, and David E. Sanger. Yes. Um, and yeah, they, they added that uh, Siemens... Remember, I, I said that that was a specific Siemens controller and software that mm-hmm. it targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siemens had done uh, had cooperated with the United States government on some research on that kind of equipment, uh, on on um, the equipment used in the Iranian nuclear program. Mm-hmm. So that just that just adds fuel to the fire. Now, I mean, again, this could all be coincidence these things happen Siemens makes a lot of different kinds of industrial equipment that's used all over the world so you know you could say that and it it you know I don't think that's uh, anything that uh, is a definitive uh, finger pointing at the United States government involved in that and personally um, if it were me and I were trying to do something like this I wouldn't want anything that that even revealed this in fact I would want to um, obfuscate. I would try to cover up or maybe point the finger at someone else, which is why some, I, I agree with the people who say that those little hints that might be in the code that seem to point to Israel. If I were trying to blame somebody, I would try to blame somebody that that would be an obvious yeah. uh, target for so, that kind uh, of attention. Yeah, and, a country and Israel has... would be obviously interested right. in discontinuing Iranians' nuclear program. So yeah. if I were, you know, Antarctica. I picked that because it's not a government that's likely to do that, and it's run by penguins. Right, um, but penguins are very much anti-nuke. They are. So, yeah, I mean, if if another country wanted to disable that uh, and I were running that country, I would say, let's point the finger at someone else. Throw some so, throw some red herrings in the code yeah. to make it look like it's these guys over here and not me. So I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I can't imagine that you would want – and something this sophisticated – why would you want anything that would attract attention to yourself as as the creator of this worm? Why would you create a system that could, in theory, reset itself at the year 2000? Well, I'm just saying sometimes people aren't as smart as we give them credit for. So, uh, so yeah, true. there's the, I, I totally agree that your argument is valid. I mean, there we cannot leap to the conclusion that this is necessarily the source of the attack. Yeah. And, and um, I don't mean to uh, to sound like I've reached conclusions. Right. I just I it seems illogical to me to point the finger at yourself. Um, I think that if anything, it's. Uh, probably code that needed to be there in order to make the software work rather than hints to uh, to that. Um, so, 
I actually think it's all clear. due to aliens in Roswell. Yeah, it's possible. That's that's who did it. And they got so ticked off. What happened was they finally got Independence Day. And they said, what? Uh, uh, Taking us down with a, a virus written on an Apple computer, no less. We'll show you. An Apple computer from the dark ages of Apple computer, too. Right. Um, so maybe we should talk about the fact that um, that the, you may have heard on the news about uh, hackers releasing a decrypted version of Stuxnet code. Okay. That happened. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't realized that. The you only had... other thing I was going to add was that uh, Stuxnet is designed to become inactive on June 24th, 2012. Yes, it actually does have a, a an expiration date. Which is kind of funny. So if you try the Stuxnet after that point, it, it may make you a little sick to your stomach. Right. So... <laughs> The that you may have heard again, like I said, that hackers have released this decrypted code, uh, which on its surface, if that's all you hear, you think, wow, that's scary, because now this incredibly sophisticated weapon that was designed by people who apparently really knew what they were doing has just uh, been distributed around the world for mm-hmm. free. And mm-hmm. now we're going to see chaos reign. Well, there's a couple things you need to keep in mind. One is that a lot of the vulnerabilities that Stuxnet initially targeted have been patched since yes. then. I read that all have all of them have been patched. Oh, have they? Okay. So yeah, the latest uh, information I had was uh, a couple of months old, so in the, at at the time when it was written, there was still one remaining to be patched, but I would imagine by that time that has happened. Well, frankly, um another indication that uh um this is written by somebody very sophisticated is uh as as one of the security researchers point out um, vulnerabilities are something that uh, true hackers prize. Once you have a hole in the code that you know about and, and hasn't been patched yet, um, that's your ticket to generating something, a, a, success, a successful attack. Um, and the fact that they had multiple vulnerabilities um, targeted sort of suggests that these people were not fooling around. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – we're talking – Several opportunities to uh, to make a dent in the nuclear program of Iran. So, well, getting back to to the hackers, just really briefly. Yes, please. Um, first of all, can you can you take a wild guess at who it, uh, at the the name of the group of hackers that stole this information? Does it start with an A? It does. Does it end with it? Anonymous? Yes, it does. So it's our. Uh, and that was a guest. It's it's the the group anonymous, the group that um, you know has 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 some connections to other internet, or websites, things like 4chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anonymous has sort of become like internet vigilantes, and they band together and uh, they they enact virtual what they see as virtual justice on targets that they perceive as being. Uh, antithetical to what the the values they hold there. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when WikiLeaks was under under fire and was starting to get uh, uh, support yanked out from under it, uh, financial support from from, uh, various companies, then Anonymous began to target those companies and Mm -hmm. really hit them hard. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, they targeted targeted a security company called HB Gary. Mm Mm-hmm. And they stole a decrypted version of the uh, Stuxnet virus. Now, this means that you could actually study the Stuxnet virus. It's not it's not a kind version of the virus where you would be able to actually infect a computer. 
It's more so that you can study it and see how it um, it took advantage of these vulnerabilities, and uh, it was really meant for academic purposes. And H.P. Gary actually points out, the company points out, that if you want a truly dangerous version of Stuxnet, it's already out there. You don't have to steal it from an, a security company. You just mm-hmm. have to find a computer infected with it, and then you reverse engineer it. You right. get the binary code. You get the, the raw code for Stuxnet. You don't get a, a translated version. So you may have heard about this uh, anonymous uh, attack. It's definitely a uh, embarrassing story for HP Gary because that's a you know it's a computer security firm and they had their system compromised. So that's that's part that's the real big part of the story. Sure, is the fact that something that was on their systems was able to to you know anonymous anonymous was able to get access to it and spread it around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual version of Stuxnet that Anonymous distributed was not the kind that's going to plunge the world into some sort of virtual warfare. Right. Now, we're probably seeing the end of, of Stuxnet's uh, true effectiveness in the field as long as companies realize the dangers of Stuxnet and they update their systems. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they make sure they have the latest security patches that plug those holes that Stuxnet took advantage of. So, I mean, there is definitely some measures they have to, these companies have to take in order, companies and governments have to take in order to remain safe. It's not like you automatically become safe just because this, this hole was patched. You have to install the patch, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Stuxnet is probably starting to wind down for the most part just because everyone's aware of it. However, it probably also marks the beginning of some serious cyber warfare, stuff that goes beyond the level of a small group of hackers who uh, ha- share a, a particular philosophy and they, they all you know aim, them, aim their efforts at a single target. Uh, this may be the mark of some pretty serious uh, uh, warfare tactics, mm-hmm. N- not out-and-out warfare either, but you know subversion tactics to to really take advantage and uh, and cripple company or uh, countries' infrastructures. Well, it is interesting too that um, something that appears to have been so targeted for a specific purpose, uh, it did leak over and damage other systems mm. too. I mean, uh, there is the possibility I read that. Uh, India's Insat 4B, which uh, failed uh, in July 2010, may have been due to a Stuxnet infection, mm. um, and you know it, it did spread around the world. So it, it is possible um, that uh, that it caused a lot of collateral damage in yeah. the process of taking out its original target. And their estimates do suggest that. Iran's nuclear program has been set back for years as a result of the Stuxnet infection. It's interesting. Assuming that it was the intended target, which it seems to have been. Right. It all depends on the the source you look at, because I looked at several where there were some sources that said, yeah, this problem has really set the Iranian program back by a few years. But that all seemed to be statements from other government's right. representatives, whereas I, I I also saw claims that said that uh, Iran managed to produce the same amount of uranium, uh, essentially weapons-grade uranium, um, by at the end of the year as it had the year previous. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't, it didn't ramp up production. Production had not increased year over year, but it hadn't set it back to the point where it was making less than it had before. Right. So that suggests that, you know, any setbacks that Iran encountered were temporary in nature. So it all depends on 
who you ask and and you know who you believe. Yeah, and it may be difficult to know because Iran is not known for being completely transparent with its nuclear program, and other governments aren't known for. Uh, you know, giving shooting straight when talking about that, it, right. it may pay politically to underplay something. Right. So, what's the truth? It's diffi- difficult to know, but yeah. um, it is it is a fascinating subject. Yes. I mean, just because we've talked about viruses and worms and all kinds of other malware, and this is this is a, a different kind of malware. Yeah, and we may we may see more attempts at uh, that hackers try and take to. Um, to try and and take advantage of multiple vulnerabilities within the same operating system uh, environment, just because it's been proven to be really effective. Mm-hmm. You know, using that multi-pronged attack means that your your uh, your attack's going to be much more efficient, and it's going to be harder to prevent uh, just through a single patch. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's kind of scary. Um, fortunately, like I said, the Stuxnet virus itself is not going to uh, directly impact you unless. The worst should happen. Right. Let's hope that doesn't come to pass. And again, this is a reminder always to patch your computer with the later secu- latest security updates, no yes. matter what, what operating system you're running, and yes. back up your hard drive because eventually something will come after you. Right. Yeah. Like my wife. See? That's yeah. what happens when you ignore her. Yeah. She'll come back. Don't ignore the misses. Yeah. Woman scorned. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, guys, if you have any other questions about Stuxnet or you have any topic suggestions you would like to shoot us, let us know on Twitter and Facebook. That handle is techstuffhsw. Or you can email us. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 